This is Scott Klosowski. You've landed at The Digital Optimist, a podcast that looks into the future of technology impacts on the world. Yeah, I see a brighter future coming, so jump into a few episodes and see if you agree. On my birthday this year, which happened to fall during the COVID pandemic, uh, I wondered if I was going to be able to talk to uh, my kids. Um, his family members, they're uh, some of the most important to me, of course. Uh, but I was just curious what would actually happen during this time and uh, who I'd be able to communicate with or connect with. Uh, as happened that night, uh, we had a Zoom call all four of our kids from four different cities uh, were all on the call with my wife and I, and we had a long discussion, and uh, we checked in with each other, and uh, it was uh, extremely meaningful to me to have all the kids on on the Zoom call. Uh, Would have been better at a birthday party, sure, but under the conditions of the pandemic, uh, just seeing all their faces and the interactions between us for an hour on a Zoom call, uh, like I said, it, it, it just meant the world to me. And It reminds me about the role of technology and family, uh, which is what our topic is today. How uh, in our relationship series, as we've been getting more and more into the tighter and tighter relationships, what has technology done to our family relationships? And because family relationships are some of the most important in our life, this is definitely worth taking a look at. What we've seen, of course, is technology as of late. uh, It is at one hand connecting us with family members more than we ever have before. And then at another level, uh, it's also served to disconnect as well. And so we should look at both the positive and the negative uh, as we go along, just exploring a little bit about what technology is doing and what it will do to our family relationships. Now, because I was born in 1962, uh, I've been able to see both sides of technology and connecting people. Um, When I was young, uh, we would uh, meet families that had come from another country, and they had pretty close family members that they may not have connected with in any kind of meaningful way for years, because the only way to connect would be a phone call, and the phone call might have been uh, pretty expensive, or uh, they would just get letters. Uh, and letters are not uh, that that meaningful of a connection, obviously. They can just pass a little bit of information, and it's slow. Uh, so that was the norm when I was young, was uh, people who uh, might, if you moved away from your family, you might be completely disconnected for the, from them for a long time. Uh, or I think about when I was a kid and I went to school. Uh, if I need to get a hold of my parents because of an emergency, uh, it was not a sure thing that you could pick up the phone, call their office, or call the house and actually get your parents. Uh, it, it could be hours. Uh, it could be the end of the day. It could be past the end of the school day. Uh, and you still couldn't get a hold of your parents. Uh, there was no way to have an immediate connection with them. And today, uh, we see, of course, the opposite, that by having mobile devices, um, kids are able to connect with their parents pretty instantly anywhere. And this is one of the big drivers, of course, of why parents even uh, give their young children uh, some type of mobile device, just so that they can assure that there's an immediate connection between them, which obviously is a great thing. So for me, uh, over my lifetime, uh, I've seen such change in the role that technology plays in connecting us at so many different levels uh, when I look at the rest of my family members. Now, 
Certainly we could, we'd have to say it's very different if you're connecting with people younger than you or older than you. Uh, again, I can, I can make this observation because I have uh, uh, my mother, for example, or I have my in-laws uh, who are above me in age, and then I've got kids and grandkids, you know, who are below me in age. And so uh, being in the middle like that, uh, you know, I can see a difference about how people use technology. And so uh, it, it has been different for the generations. And uh, there have been problems because of this. We've gone through a number of apps uh, with how we communicate with each other or social networking apps, how we network with each other. Uh, and every time the new one comes out, uh, it, it can be a problem for people who have not adopted the new one yet. Now, a little bit of this, uh, could we could generalize and say that it's uh, it's age-based. Like sometimes the older uh, generations are a little bit slower to adopt the new technology than the younger. Uh, and when this happens, it creates what I always think of as an age app gap. And so uh, you could have the 20-year-olds and the, the teenagers who are all using one of the latest new tools, where while the grandparents are not on those tools just yet, or become very comfortable with the old tool that they use and they don't want to use a new tool. But you can see the problem here is it creates an age app gap where simply because of the use of a certain application, uh, generations might be disconnected for a while. And some people will say, well, gee, can't you just pick up the phone? You know, can't you just use a different form of communication? Uh, but I think we've all seen that people get very married uh, to the form of communication that they like, uh, the one that they're comfortable with, uh, and then they tend to use that one pretty exclusively, and they don't want to change to something else. Uh, especially younger people a lot of times will have a bias towards whatever the two or three they use with their friends, uh, and they're not really that motivated to go back to some old platform they don't want to use anymore. Uh, so they'll try to get their grandparents uh, to move over to whatever the newest application is. So again, we, we've had some problems so far with this age app gap. Uh, I do believe, though, that we have been normalizing this for a while. So we have more and more people who are using the same kinds of applications. Uh, and I think as time goes on, we'll have less and less of a problem, uh, mostly because I think think we'll stop rotating applications uh, every few years as far as what we're using to connect. Uh, but I think also just from an age and comfort with technology standpoint, uh, we won't have people who are uncomfortable switching to a new application if that's what they need to do to connect with, uh, with the kids or grandkids and their family. Connection and communication and what technology's done for us is it's given us new paths, new channels of communication. Now, there are virtual channels in a lot of cases, uh, but they're channels nonetheless, and not just one channel, many channels. We can text message. We could uh, use a video uh, conferencing or a video application. Um, we can use social technologies. We can use email. Uh, there's all kinds of channels that allow us now to connect to anyone in the world who also has an internet connection, which is thankfully uh, most people in the world at this point. And so uh, I, I'm glad to see that that, uh, we're normalizing a bit on these channels. Uh, it, it, communication is the foundation of connection, obviously. Uh, and, and so, although virtual communication is not a replacement for in-person, it's certainly a lot better than what we had. And I think that's what we have to understand. It's not a black or white thing where we say, well, in-person is good and everything else is bad. 
it isn't that. Uh, we're, that. That isn't even a fair comparison. I mean, what we're comparing is in person, uh, which is you know the best form of contact or connection or communication, uh, with what we had 30 years ago versus what we have today. And so I'd much rather have all the tools that we have today than to have nothing, which is what we had before. So communication, and that's what technology has allowed, is communication, uh, is what we have gotten at a more robust level. So think about that for just a second, about how immersive right now the communication has gotten between family members. Again, because we have multiple channels. We could text somebody. We could email somebody. Uh, we could FaceTime with them. We could Zoom with them. Uh, we could post on social networks, and uh, we can DM with them. You know, we have all kinds of ways that we can communicate now. And, and I would say in, with family members who are closer family members, it's an immersive experience. In other words, we could communicate multiple times all day long, uh, and many family members do. They talk every day in some way, uh, or chat, or right, connect in some way every day, uh, and in some cases all through the day. So it's, it's much more of an immersive experience than we had before. And, and the cool thing about this is we're talking about worldwide. So set time zones apart, which is the only big problem from, uh, from a connection standpoint, if you have an internet connection, then anywhere in the world, you can see somebody and talk to somebody. That's very different than it was in the past. Uh, in, in, that's something I think we really need to not lose sight of. When you're younger, you, you don't remember a world maybe before you had all of this. So it's a little tougher to uh, see the distinction. For me, it's really easy to see the distinction of what technology has done. I lived without it. There is, uh, there is a, a feeling that can be... Um, only explained as I'm apart from my family. Okay, so you could move away, and and in the earlier times you were apart, and apart meant not just physically apart. It meant you also didn't have any stream of information of what was going on. You had very little information to to just know how somebody was doing or what the events were in their lives. Uh, what technology does is it lowers that feeling of being apart. It gives us, it gives each other, it gives each of us a view into family members' lives, so that we just didn't have before. And, and I think about, for me, you know, for instance, uh, aunts and uncles, you know, people that if I don't live close to them, I might not have had much of a connection at all with them. And how today, if I do nothing more than just follow them and they follow me on social sites, I do get a glimpse into their lives uh, in in pretty much real time. So are we apart? Yes. Uh, you know, is, is the um, connection between us, uh, you know, real, real strong? Maybe it's not that strong, but at least we know a lot more about each other, uh, which keeps each other top of mind. And when we do see each other, you just pick up a conversation. And it doesn't seem like, wow, this person's a complete stranger. And I don't know if you've had that experience, but I have. Uh, and I think about it most at, at funerals. So, um, I had a, an aunt that died last year, uh, and uh, a lot of my cousins and my sister, we all showed up at the uh, funeral. 
And what would have seemed maybe a little bit stranger uh, in older times, where I wouldn't have seen any of these people for years, did not feel nearly as strange because I had some information on all of them. Some of them more than others, depending on how much they posted online or how much we connected virtually. Uh, but I really noticed uh, how it was so much more of a comfortable feeling being at that funeral when I actually felt like I knew something about people because technology had enabled that to happen. Uh, so one of the things that I, I think, though, I, we have to it, it just make sure we understand is that this is just technology standing in for an in-person contact. And we do have to, to acknowledge that maybe in some cases uh, technology has been a stand-in that has stopped the in-person contact. In other words, if I have enough virtual or digital com- conversation or communication with you, I'm not as motivated to actually see you in person. And uh, this, of course, can cross over a line into where now it's a negative. Uh, I think it is really important to understand that virtual is better than what we had before, uh, and certainly better than nothing, but it doesn't replace the connection that you get when you were in person. And of course, we got to see that quite a bit with the uh, COVID pandemic, where uh, social distancing caused us to all stay separate. And although we had all the technology that we could use to video and connect with people, uh, still um, not being at the office with people in person, right, or not being able to see your family in person, we noticed the difference. You don't notice it after two, three, four weeks, but after eight, 10, 12 weeks, you start to notice and starts to get, uh, I think, a bit irritating or a bit more uncomfortable not being able to see people more in person. So again, virtual connection, it's a great stand-in, but we should never think about it as a replacement when it comes to family for physically being together. But there are some other things that technology has done. Think about uh, ancestry and DNA tracking and what that market has done for us. Uh, You know, that has been fascinating over the last five years that we've been able to use digital tools to track our family back for generations, information that uh, many of us never would have had. Uh, And and it's interesting to know it. Sometimes it can really make a difference in your life to have a feeling of knowing where you came from and who the people were before you. So that that, that can be a great feeling, and some people love to do that. Even the DNA tracking, uh, I know I was really interested to see, all right, well, where, where is all the DNA inside of me from. Uh, And there always seems to be a few surprises uh, where there's some DNA from some part of the world that maybe you didn't expect. But just knowing it is an interesting thing. And technology allows us to do that. Uh, Now, hopefully most of the time, that's a helpful thing with our family uh, and not something that uh, gives us some information that we absolutely didn't want to know. Or think about the simple things like all the digital pictures that we take. Uh, I've got a plastic bin of uh, old photos, and uh, they go back probably uh, at least 100 years uh, in my family. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of the main collector of the family photos at the moment, at least for one side of the family. And uh, it's interesting because I love looking at them, but then I also think about how perishable, perishable they could be, uh, which means you have to get them converted over into digital. But the other thing is just the volume. Uh, I might look back and have 20, 30 pictures of my grandmother, whereas today with all the digital photography that we do, we'll have uh, vast amounts more. And 
and they will not be um, as easily disappeared as maybe a photo album or only one person can really look at the photo album very easily. So I think about just what digital pictures have done for families, just to be able to capture moments or capture what people look like or capture when people were together and then be able to share those with everybody else in the family instantly. So again, an interesting technology that's having a big impact on how close and connected we feel. Or even the mechanics of being able to help each other out as a family. Uh, you know, Venmo and being able to just instantly send money to uh, one of our family members if, if they need help or they need something. Or the ability to use e-commerce to just be able to get something and have it delivered. So much more simply than what it would have taken in the old days with uh, doing a catalog order and then trying to, to send something to a family member, a gift or, or something that might be helpful to them. Uh, but think even of a wearable and the fact that uh, if you have an aging parent and that the aging parent could wear a wearable and then it could give you real-time information on uh, what's going on with your parents' health. So we have a, a lot of technology that just helps with the mechanics of being able to stay close or being able to help each other. So let me just kind of summarize this part before I talk about the future a little bit. Uh, you know, technology has done a wonderful job of being able to connect us so that we have a better ability to communicate more often uh, in more visual ways uh, and then all the way up to the practical ways that technology helps us to be able to help each other in families. So I, I think it's been pretty good so far, acknowledging that there has been a little bit of disconnection from time to time when you have the, uh, the age app gap uh, that sometimes stops family members from being able to communicate quite as well. Uh, or uh, if technology becomes a substitute for an in-person conversation. So this is the kind of thing where I would say technology is 30% negative and 70% positive uh, when you talk about the impact of technology on family relationships. So let's go forward and look into the future just a little bit. So certainly one of the things that we're going to see is more and more applications that provide connection. So that's not going to stop. Uh, we, will, we will have more channels, new channels. I don't think they'll come quite as often, but we will have new channels, and we'll have literally new technology that helps us to be able to connect with each other. Uh, I saw the other day uh, a photo frame that allows uh, an outside family member to push pictures to the photo frame. Now, it's cool to have a photo frame that's digital that can uh, put your own pictures in it, but I think about uh, how valuable it would be to parents and grandparents to have a photo frame that their kids and grandkids are able to push pictures into so that every day when they look at that photo frame, they might be seeing new pictures of their kids and their grandkids. You know, that sounds so simple, but it's so meaningful to people uh, of older generations to be able to have capabilities like that. And that, that's just one tool that I saw just in the last couple months, we will continue to have more and more tools like that, uh, that just create more and more of that immersive experience uh, between generations. Uh, 
Also, as I mentioned before, I do think uh, when it comes to the age app gap, because each generation is adopting technology a little faster than it was, uh, and because as the older generation leaves us and the younger generations become the older generations, uh, it will be less and less of a problem uh, with generations not using the same applications, unless they just choose to do that. So I think we will also see uh, progress with wearables, and, and let's go forward all the way up into augmented reality where I'm going to be able to uh, have have a wearable that's putting out information on me to other family members, or I'll be able to track information on other family members, which, of course, to me, it would be important to track information on my mother and that she's doing okay, but also my kids and that they're doing okay, uh, and that I at least have some visibility into my wife and that she's doing okay. So I don't need to know aunts and uncles. I don't need to know distant relatives, but just my close family. The fact that, that we can share wearable data, uh, and then also when I say augmented reality, that I might be able to see that data floating in my vision in real time uh, so that it's green, yellow, red, and if information on one of my family members turns red, I immediately know to go take some action. And so I think more and more we will continue to gather information, gather data, and be able to express that data in our whatever application we're using to look at that data uh, in more real time. And I think that's just a way for us to know that family members are safe, but also know when they might need help immediately. Now, as with everything, will this cause some parents to be even more helicopter parents? Sure, it will. Uh, will it cause some, some family members to be even more intrusive than they are today? Sure, it might. Uh, but again, you know, on the big scale of positive and negative, Uh, This is, again, one of those 70-30 things where 30% of my privacy being invaded by family members possibly uh, with negative consequences is vastly outweighed by the 70% of positive uh, because I get real-time visibility into the status of my family members in case anybody needs some help. All right. I do believe that we will find a better balance between the virtual and in-person connection. This is something that... uh, I've been talking about for years because as we have worked with this concept of humology and uh, the scale, the sliding scale of human on one side and technology on the other side and uh, where processes and systems are sliding, uh, we, we have constantly had to ask ourselves, you know, what, what is better done by human? What is better done in person than virtual? Uh, and I think the, the way we really need to continue to see this or to mature or become more enlightened about this is uh, that there needs to be a balance of in-person connection with connection over the wire. Uh, we cannot make a virtual connection a straight-up replacement for in-person. Uh, in-person, there is a body language that you cannot see virtual. Uh, there's an energy that exchanges between two people when they're in-person. Uh, 
that is not exchanged virtually. There's a level of love that can be exchanged that just cannot be exchanged over the wire. Uh, Love is all about connection. And there is a certain physical connection, physical energy that gets exchanged when people are in person that does not get replaced when they are virtual. And this is going to be absolutely true for family uh, and also then close, uh, you know, relationships with your mate. I don't really care necessarily about having to be in person with every one of my friends. Uh, And it isn't that I don't care for them uh, or love them. It's just it is not as high a priority as it is to be in person with family members. So even though I'm a technologist, even though technology is critical to me, even though I love the immersive aspect of all the digital tools we have today to connect, I still think we will in the future find a better balance between when to connect in person versus when to connect virtually. Now, this is an easy topic to be optimistic about uh, because as technology keeps improving, obviously, it just gives us more of an ability to communicate and to connect with family members. So, you know, although there will always be abuses of these tools, yes, there will always be people who uh, won't want to have a crucial conversation with a family member in person uh, that they should have in person, so they'll have it over the wire because they have more digital courage or they don't want to face the embarrassment of having to stand in front of a family member and have a conversation. You know, will there be people who will uh, who will communicate over virtual tools as a substitute for long, long periods of time uh, instead of just taking the time to actually be in person with somebody? You know, sure, you know, we, we will have that as well. Will there continue to be, at times, an app gap where you have different people in the family using different applications. And so it almost looks like there's just silence coming from some people in the family. And it's not silent. It's just you're not connected to what they're putting out. Yes, we'll still have a little bit of that. Uh, But I see great things for what technology will continue to do. Uh, And I think we really, really need to acknowledge what it's already done. Uh, Because it would be a vastly different world uh, if it was still back in the 60s or 70s when I was growing up, when I had to send letters to my grandparents, and maybe five or six times a year, those letters went back and forth. Or if we did call, it was a long-distance call, and it was expensive. And so you tried to get on the phone and off the phone as fast as possible, and you couldn't do it very often, much less relatives who were in another country who we just couldn't connect with at all. So I think it's important to acknowledge, and we've already seen huge amounts of benefit Uh, as far as family relationships with technology. And as I said, I'm very optimistic about the fact that it's only going to get better. All right, we have one more podcast in this series, and that podcast is just going to be on the relationship between you and a significant other, and what is the role technology plays. That one's much tougher than this one. Uh, There will be a lot of interesting positives and negatives about the role technology is playing now with with a significant other, and that'll be the end of our digital optimist view of technology and relationships, and we'll move on to uh, to a new topic after that. So hopefully, uh, if you've listened to some of these, 
It's given you a sense of technology and relationships, the role it plays, the good, the bad, how to be healthy. As always, that's what I want for you, is to look at what technology is doing today, look what it's going to do in the future, and make good decisions about how you're using technology in your life. And it is easy to get off on the wrong road uh, and use technology as a crutch um, in a way that's not helpful to you. And so please look when you think about your family relationships. Is there any place you're using technology when you should just be in person? Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at sklasowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklosowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.